Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that Racers and Rental Cars sent you. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. It's the Racers and Rental Cars podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Keep on till they can't ignore you. Put it up for the weekend warriors. Thank you for downloading today's episode of the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, brought to you in part by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by Motion Raceworks for all your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, visit MotionRaceworks.com today. What's up, West Coast Cam? A lot today, man. Jet has had me running crazy today. I'm exhausted, and it's only 5 o'clock here. So, yeah. Being dad life was in full force today. He is, <laughs> yeah, living the dream. I, but it's good. I, I love every second of it. I, I, I can't complain. I just... I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, today, today was a lot. Okay, wait a minute, hold on. So, uh, which don't get me wrong, you know, for our listeners, Cam, you know, Cam's cheeks are all red and he's smiling. He's got those Jack Frost TV actor, TV movie star, pearly white, smiling up here about his kid. You know, if you weren't watching him on Instagram today, it was like every 30 seconds he was posting something of Jet and the stroller on the beach walking. Get out of town. That was one time. Whatever. Hashtag dad life. Uh, But but nonetheless, let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this deal here, my friend. Aren't you still supposed to be teaching class? Uh, That's affirmative. I did teach class today. So for all of... Remotely. Profe- for all of Professor Foray's students today in Auto Shop 101 at Cheetos College, when you were trying to get in touch with him to get clarification on how to spread Bondo properly and he was blowing you off, it's because he was pushing a baby stroller on the boardwalk. Got that right. I'm a multitasker. You're a multitasker. So, mm-hmm. so you're teaching your students to spread Bondo and sand at the same time prior to drying. While standing on the sand. <laughs> While standing on the sand. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, we are enjoying seeing Jet grow up before our eyes uh, with the game of life and anything else that seems Dude, to Dude, that be- was weird. I And that, that wasn't like a joke, like just to put some random thing on Facebook. Somebody mailed us the game of life junior and with no note in it and no nothing. So I don't know. It could be our next door neighbor, like we got their mail, but. I'm 99.9% sure that it said Angelina Foray on the box before I threw it away. So, But anyway, yeah, whoever sent us the game of life, um, thank you. Uh, maybe when Jet's like 
nine or twelve, we'll uh, we'll play it. <laughs> but but uh, the game of life that we're living and, and playing currently, live in living color, is uh, just enough for me. I was going to say maybe somebody was has listened to the show and they figured that you needed some uh, corrective <laughs> action or scheduled training and they sent well, you, you know the game a lot. What's crazy to think when I was talking to Angie about it, I was like, "Yeah, somebody sent this," and she's like, "You know, that's kind of morbid if you really think about it, because maybe somebody like there's a, it's a weird time in the world right now, so maybe somebody's trying to tell you something." Well. I mean, you did have this whole social media thing going on where you were talking about putting puzzles and stuff together, and that was the highlight for your life for a few days. So maybe somebody decided that you needed to expand your horizons, and they sent you the game of life. Yeah. I mean, hey, again, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, now maybe somebody will send me a, a big check so I can go racing. So, you know, things are looking up. Things are looking up. How did you fare for Mother's Day? Uh, I did good. I, I did I'm. Good. Can I jump in here? I don't think so. No. I. Because I'm pretty sure I saw your wife at home and you were at the river. No, that was. I came home. I was only there for a day. Yeah. So oh. I had to test the boat. I had tested the boat out and we turned around, dropped it off, and came home. So I was home for Mother's Day. We had a nice. My grandma made the whole family biscuits and gravy. It's beautiful. Homemade biscuits and gravy, nothing nothing beats that. So it was a nice family day with uh, over at my parents' house. So it was nice. The whole family came over and, yeah. So me and Jet made homemade cards for Angie and my mom and my grandma and uh, my sister. She's a new mom as of a couple weeks ago. So it was good. So you- I'm sure you had just the same. I'm sure you spoiled your lovely, lovely bride. Okay, let's. Okay, so here's the difference over people that are in their 40s in married versus somebody that's in their early 30s in married. First off, my wife wanted to be left alone. Do not wake her up. Do not. It's if it's Mother's Day. If it's her day, leave her alone. Right. So, but the girls did get her something special. We did have dinner, um, and I like the way that you took your uh, creativeness to uh, making homemade cards. Uh, yeah, with, man. with your son for your wife so we're, we're gonna give you a couple stars there um uh but i gotta gotta circle back my friend again race car driver says oh i had to go test the boat it's a boat <laughs> so i'm thinking the only test that has to be done is you push it off of the trailer if it doesn't sink to the bottom you're good well we just bought it so we had to go play with it so yeah i mean it worked great so yeah, yeah, you're all the more reason to be going back to the lake since there's no racing going on. So it's a great time to get into the boating world again. So because um, I can't drive race cars, so do you know, gotta go fast somehow. Do you know what a boat owner's best days are? The day I bought it and the day I sold it. Got that. And right. then <laughs> boat also stands for bust out another thousand. <laughs> yeah, they're almost as bad as race cars. Is that right? Okay, well, I've never owned a boat. Luckily, I went into this one with my brother-in-law, so he's in for a rude awakening. So, yeah, no. I, anybody, you can send all those comments and jokes to hate mail at racersandrentalcars.com. Attention, Cam. Uh, feel free to post them up on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, because he needs all the boat jokes he can get. Uh, because if he sends me one more picture of him drinking a beer on the back of a boat with some sort of sunset or whatever in the background, I'm, I'm 
just going to lose it. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> hey, man. What a time to be alive, you know? Is that right? Yeah. Owning a boat. Mm-hmm. So so you passed up on the whole iRacing rig and went went to the boat. Yeah, I was about the same price. <laughs> I was gonna, I mean, I mean, Angie this could one, the whole this one the whole family can can enjoy. So the whole family can enjoy the iRacing racing rig, you knucklehead. Yeah, right. Yeah, I should have just started. I should have got the iRacing racing rig and started breeding Jet for that now, so that way he could hopefully be some rich and famous iRacing racing dude one day. But there you go. Yeah. We'll I'm, stick with we'll stick with the BMX and motocross right now because he's super into that. Well, that's good. I will. I know some people at Feld. We can. You know, there we we'll, go. Yeah, when they come back online. Hey, guess what happens this as week? As of tomorrow. As of tomorrow, what? They're announcing that they're going back racing. By the way, Feld is. Supercross. Yep. Awesome. Now, see that you're on the in. You're on the inside out there in Cali. I like that. I, well, this will drop on Saturday, so it'll already be announced. But yes. Okay. From my understanding, tomorrow, i.e. Thursday. Uh, what we got Thursday will be the announcement. That's good news. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that the people at Feld, they laid off a lot of people, Monster Jam and the Supercross side. So I'm that's exciting yeah, to hear. But it's, it's not going to be, obviously, no fans. But um, And I think it's all going to be in Phoenix, mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing. Well, but you, that's okay. They got it. Everybody's got to get back. I mean, that's what I'm excited about this weekend. NASCAR's back. Uh, I am a big week. I am excited about that. I mean, just the look, the sheer fact of turning on the TV and they are going to drive off of pit road onto the racetrack, no practice, no qualifying, and we're just going to set sail at Darlington Raceway. I like it. I think that part's pretty cool. I I mean, the first 45 minutes. Sometimes you give you give these people too many shots at the dartboard and they're all going to hit a bullseye every now and again. So, I mean, no shots at the dartboard is a lot better. Look, I am totally all in as a spectator. I I bet the ratings will be huge for the first 45 minutes of the event. Oh yeah. I might even watch it. (laughs) Oh, geez. That's right. Sports fans. We're motorsports marketing show and cam doesn't watch NASCAR. I mean, I, I dabble in it, but I mean, if the boat's floating, same. Again, send me one more Instagram photo of you on a boat. Oh, you'll get more. Don't worry. Join the Navy. That was only the first trip. There gonna be, there's going to be a lot of trips this, this summer. So You're ridiculous. I saw you soliciting places to dock your boat already on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, and it worked out most excellent, I must say. Unbelievable. <laughs> Behind closed doors, it worked out most excellent. <laughs> Unbelievable! Oh, I got man. friends in high places, man. I'm just the I'm just the dumb broke guy. So, well, here we're both dumb and broke. So let's bring, let's get let's get to our guest who obviously isn't dumb and broke, and that's why we got him on the show because we're going to try to increase and in high places. Yeah, we're going to try to increase our our value and our worth just by having him on the show for a little while. We'll see if there's any uh, any. Fr- you know, leeway and us being able to improve, uh, folks tonight or today, rather it, it, we're, we're very honored. I know I am personally, uh, to have this, this gentleman on the show. We've been trying for months to, to marry up and get this done. And, and I'm excited. He is one of the individuals that 
has done it from the the parking lot to to the tower uh to the driver's seat to the boardroom and anywhere in between that you want to pick a spot of a career in motorsports uh this gentleman has uh, held a microphone held a room held trophies been inducted to the hall of fame and we are very fortunate to have mr mike lewis vice president of don schumacher racing on with us tonight mr lewis are you there sir i am good to be with you don cam good to see you guys hey hey good to see you welcome to the show thanks Thank for you. uh thanks for taking your time out of your uh hopefully busy schedule <laughs> there's not much that's busy these days yeah. <laughs> although the pace is picking up just and i'm sure we'll talk about what keeps us busy in the next half hour or so but uh um, yep. the urgency of going down the road and and catching an airplane and um geez all of those things are gone from our lives yeah until not so much august but it's a strange summer but uh, we'll come back we well, will be back. Yes, we will. We're gonna we're gonna burn rubber, smell gas, and and light spark plugs like uh, like no other. Uh, as soon as they let us, that's for sure. Well, Mike, you have done it all. I, I, I'm really there's not much that I, I mean. You might have something that you could say that you haven't done that you wish that you ha- that you could. Uh, but I mean, your historic history. Your family owned Maple Grove Raceway. You've been an announcer with some of the most historic voices uh, in drag racing, and you've driven some uh, outstanding prepared race cars for, for nostalgia side through the A-Fuel side, and in the last 10 years, you get the, the distinction of being the vice president of one of the most successful motorsports organizations in drag racing. Uh, and that's Don Schumacher Racing. So what did I miss for our audience? Well, you started out when I was on the parking lot, and I kind of feel like we're all in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm mean, so back down there. Appropriate. Um, but, yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. Well, I, I mean, I was listening um, and, well, actually reading uh, your your speech from the drag racing hall of fame when you were inducted and and you talked about having dinner with don garlitz and and him giving you a phone call and so forth uh to let you know you've had a lot of career highlights and so that's really i i wanted to start off with something big and positive what what do you say uh, and i know you're a successful dad i know you got some daughters that you're extremely proud of um What's your what's your number one career highlight when you sit down and you start putting your bio or your resume out there and you're updating it and you're like this has got to be number one. What's what's the number one career highlight for Mike Lewis? That's a driver winning Bakersfield at the California Hot Rod Reunion. That would certainly be um, the pinnacle of my achievement uh, in a race car. Um, That's awesome. As an that? announcer, uh, I've really enjoyed announcing NHRA, but there was a moment. Uh, in one of the two Indy 500s where I worked pit road where I spent a minute or two during a, a red flag rain delay with Chip Ganassi literally walking out onto the racetrack to where Tony, Tony Stewart, his one of his drivers in 2001, was stopped, uh, got out of the car and, and was shaking off a cramp 
and I just transitioned from Chip to Tony Stewart, and then Tony ran to the infield hospital, um, and then I threw it back upstairs. Mike King was the anchor, and I suddenly realized that I'm standing in turn one of the biggest motorsports event in the world. So that would probably be my crown achievement with a microphone in my hand. But it, it's been a great ride. There's been a lot of other great moments. And if you ask me that question tomorrow, I'd probably think of two different examples. But it's been great. Yeah, well, no, that that's – I don't even know what to say. I mean, that that's huge. I mean, just a couple – winning the Hot Rod Reunion is pretty awesome in itself. And Don's never been to the Hot Rod Reunion, but it's, it's, a, it's a spectacle in itself. And, uh, you know, with Mike having so much history within the sport, it's, it's even more special to him, I would imagine. But – um, it's a huge race in itself, and, and that's killer. But, I mean, I, what I think is really cool is the fact that your other pinnacle moment of your career doesn't have anything to do with drag racing, and that's pretty cool. I like <laughs> well, that. Well, my life has been spent around motorsports. My in first general. experiences were uh, with dirt tracks in Pennsylvania, mostly as a fan. I built an engine or two that went uh, went into stock cars which helped me finance my first top fuel dragster. Um, so I like, I like all forms of motorsports, which is the reason that I took the transfer, geez, that's now 25 years ago from uh, NHRA in California to Indianapolis Raceway Park. And in Indy, we get to do uh, all of it. I've got neighbors that have raced silver crown cars, uh, Indy cars, you can go to any restaurant here and you can talk drag racing, Indy 500, sports car racing. Um, so I think that was what brought me to Indy. Certainly wasn't the winters. Um, <laughs> That's but, awesome. I always said I was going to end up in Indy because, I mean, not only do I love the parts that you're talking about, how you know you can talk drag racing or talk shop at pretty much any restaurant or whatever, but I actually really like Indy as a, as a city and a town. And... You know, I always, always, I tell Angie all the time, hey, let's, let's move to Indy. She's like, okay, you know, she's all about it, but you know, well, we just gotta... make sure that you talk to her in the summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, she's used July, to negative 40 in Canada. Yeah. Six she's months used... later, I wasn't so sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike. Culture fits. Yeah. Mike, you came from California as, now I'm going to make sure I get this right. You were you were vice president of operations with NHRA. Is that correct? Uh, vice president of field operations. Okay, field operations. Yes. Now I I remember, and I'm going to date myself some here with the Army program with the yes that you were the you were the unsung hero of the creator of the youth and education services program. Am I getting that one right? Well, you that might be a little exaggeration. I was. Um, I kind of inherited a committee of educators in Southern California that really wanted us at NHRA to create a program that would encourage young people to find a career in motorsports, specifically with NHRA, but even on a broader scale to learn to use their hands and their minds. And, and if they weren't interested in a four-year degree, a two-year degree would get them started uh, in a, a good, solid career uh, welding, doing auto repairs, or you name it. Uh, it was called School to Work, and it was an initiative that was uh, 
started at the state level. In the L.A. County level, a friend of mine named Richard Nicholson, whose uncle, Don Nicholson, was a world champion, uh, was very much involved and is to this day. And a group of uh, educators who became really, really close friends, um, we got our heads together and created a career opportunities fair. It was my job to, uh, to kind of put it on paper and build the plan. And I had just done that in my last year at Maple Grove, countywide in the Reading, Pennsylvania area. So we took that, that playbook and adapted it to Southern California and motorsports. And our speakers that first year, we tried to do what a school does in a day. And Cam, you're familiar with this. You know, where kids go from classroom to classroom to classroom. We had a couple of hundred students in one grandstand. Then they would migrate an hour later to another grandstand, then a third grandstand. And there were speakers from, I mean, Don Perdome was a speaker. Kenny Bernstein was a speaker. Uh, we had a whole group of drivers. We thought, well, this is how we'll build our program. And they will each talk about their views in getting involved uh, in NHRA, in motorsports, and, and building a career. And so that's where the career fair started. Uh, it morphed into something much different as time went on and became the guest program. Uh, we hired Ken Pyle, who uh, had his doctorate in education, and he really understood how to build a curriculum. And so that program, as you both know, has been ongoing, remains very successful. Um, geez, and that was 1989 in the fall that we did the first event in Pomona. Um, and I'm very proud to have been a part of that. But like I say, I certainly wasn't, um, it's not like something I did myself. We had a really good, solid group of people that uh, just like other events that I've been involved in, you create a script, you create an outline, and you let people kind of fill in the blanks. And if you have the right group of people, it solidifies and becomes something really worthwhile. So for those of you that are listening, uh, if you want to be successful in anything, hit up Mike Lewis. You know, maybe just get him to rub your shoulder or something. You might It might, you know, turn to gold. I was getting ready to say anything that he touches. <laughs> I mean, it's even uh, Mike, I'm trying to remember where I heard it. I heard you tell a story about your family's fuel car. And I think it was a match race. And see, I'm really gonna, I'm struggling uh, you, with the the CRS syndrome that I have. You built a, I think it you you took a junk motor sitting in a corner. Oh my God! Yeah. And built. God, I'm trying to remember what year you told me this story. This is we're going back to some army days here. Um, I don't know. I mean, even from that story, you took a junk motor, you built it, and your family, you know, you were running a racetrack, and they took off and left. What, you were in your early 20s at that point. So, I mean, I'm not going to date your age here or anything, but you haven't had a whole lot of stumbling blocks uh, or potholes that have jumped up in your motorsports uh, climb. Well, I think you both know that in motorsports, you're going to hit a pothole. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's the nature of what we do. Um, but on that particular occasion, uh, my brother and I had just built our first rear-engine top-fuel dragster, and we hired Sarge Arciero to drive it. Uh, and Sarge was probably as good a driver as any driver on the East Coast, and he agreed to go with us. 
So we went to Gainesville, and I made a few tuning errors. We had the parachute fall out on one run. Um, so we came home and regrouped and had a chance to race for money. I mean, to actually be paid to go to English Town in an eight-car closed show. Um, and it was in early April of that year, I think 1972. And so to make sure that we were ready, um, we took the car, my brother and I took the car to Maple Grove, and he pushed me, and we fired it, and everything seemed perfect. And pretty soon he came driving past me and, and gave me the fingers across the neck, uh, shut it off sign. And, I, and he had a little look of panic on his face, and I couldn't see, but we didn't have oil pressure. So we went back to the shop and changed oil pumps, changed oil pans, changed everything. And about two in the morning, or so, we had no idea. Uh, there's four bolts that hold a cam plate in the front of the block that I left out. So we, I mean, the simplest thing, but we couldn't find it. So we looked at this pile of scrap, and it was a 20 under crank with it, a set of bearings and rods and we started from scratch and built a short block and put it in the car and put the heads on it and adjusted everything and off they went to Englishtown, New Jersey and won the race. Blew it up in the lights in the final, but that was fine. I was just excited when I found out that it started. But yeah, those are the kind of experiences that uh, we have all looked back on in our own racing careers. Most people have never had to deal with that kind of drama, those kind of deadlines, and the passion that pushes you through all of those things. Um, we didn't expect to win it. We didn't know how that would go, but that was a bonus. And without the, I guess, just the passion for what we were doing, we'd have never gotten there, much less had the chance to win the race. Well, that and so now that you've told that, that's a really good segue. I appreciate that, Mike. You act like you've done this before. <laughs> so because we're a motorsports marketing show and we shared that with you in our audience and you are definitely part of of one of the premier organizations let's t let's tell our audience what you would say as the one hidden pitfall in motorsports to, to that keeps people from having success in their motorsports marketing oh gosh that's uh I guess just not being able to understand the value proposition that we need to provide our sponsors. We can look at it from our standpoint. I mean, we can make the cars look great, you know, great branding and great, uh, I mean, great personalities and all those things. But if we don't understand how to deliver those ingredients to the market, we're not going to deliver the value that our sponsors will demand. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, value wasn't measured by the metrics that we deal with today, but the metrics today are, are a formula that somebody in a corporate environment can hire if they don't have a department internally to measure the value of a, of a sports sponsorship. So we have to be aware of that. We've got to be a step ahead of the curve. Um, and we're competing for the sports marketing dollar with every 
every kind of sports endeavor you could imagine, not just cars and boats and airplanes, but uh, track and field, soccer, uh, and all of the stick and ball American sports that we see. Uh, the companies that invest in DSR have plenty of alternative opportunities. So, if you to take it a step further, um, within the last five years, ten years, especially, social media has become the platform that right now, today, with no drag racing taking place, that's really our only opportunity to deliver value. We can't deliver value in our hospitality to people in midways or people watching on TV. Right now, those things don't exist. So we had to be creative with social media to keep our drivers at the forefront, representing the brands and their brand ambassadors is what they are. So we meet on a daily basis and we'll be rolling out some pretty um, extensive social media plans in the next couple of days and weeks and months just to remain engaged. Uh, we owe it to our partners um, and we would feel the same way even if, uh, even if we were out there racing Social media, you both heard of Joyce Julius, and now Nielsen is the, uh, provides the yardstick that measures television value. Um, our goal is to exceed those values with internal social media, and all of our drivers understand that. Uh, Allie McCormick handles our public relations, and she's outstanding. Ashley Keller handles our social media, including all the videos and everything. If you see um, Schumacher Racing on any platform, it's created by Ashley. And that's now, I mean, she can at the end of every day give you metrics year to date compared to the previous years. And that gives us directions. It tells us um, in terms of numbers how we're doing compared to a year ago and two years ago and three years ago. Um, we can measure the delivery by each of the drivers and some of the drivers, I mean, it, it comes maybe a little bit more naturally to some than others, but they all understand that that's uh, almost as big a part of role. And right now it's a much bigger role on behalf of DSR and our sponsors than driving the race car. They don't get to do that right now, but we have to remain relevant. And some of it, I mean, we've experimented with bad jokes and, and just off-the-wall things. I mean, you've seen the insurance commercials, and they don't really sell insurance. They get your attention and present a logo and so forth. So we've done some of those things, but we also try to take the hardcore fans inside and give them a look at who we are, what we do, who represents DSR, how we build a short block and why a five-disc clutch maybe works for Ron Tobler and a six-disc for Dickie Venables. And all of those things will hit a target audience. And, and that's our job. That's what we try to do is that um, that's not necessarily what I do by nature, but I understand the concept and support Ashley, Allie, uh, Ted, Daniel, all the, the marketing people that are frankly, a generation younger than I am, but they've grown up with this. And 
and for them it's a challenge um, to find a new way to reach the market on new platforms and then to measure the results. Just like Cam, you make a run, you get out, the first thing you want is to see your time slip. Same thing, Don, right? Yeah. First thing yeah. you want to see is a racer. Well, yep. if you're a specialist in social media, you look for metrics. Want to know what the engagement factor is. Right. And that's exactly. what's great about, you know, this day and age. We we have those numbers. You know, everybody used to just kind of guess and, you know, they're you're only looking at the, the television numbers and, you know, that's what's so cool about social media is you can't you can't stretch the truth much anymore. It's the cold hard facts. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean in, in the old days, um, a CEO that maybe would happen to like a particular sport would maybe take a company in that direction and utilize it to full advantage with hospitality and and, and athlete engagement and so forth. Um, and today, uh, a CEO may still want to do that, but a CEO is smart enough to look at metrics. What's the delivery, what's the performance of the organization, the sport, and even down to the particular driver. So, I guess the good news is we know that. Sometimes the bad news is they know that because yeah. it was more, it was easier to do business 30 years ago uh, for some of the drivers and teams and owners and so forth. But um, we've become a very statistically oriented society. Um, our marketers, I mean, they've got to generate metrics that are favorable to the company. I mean, the ultimate, and never, I mean, we can never lose sight of the fact the ultimate metrics are in direct sales. So if we can generate business to business um, and by using our influence, uh, introduce one party to another and then watch those two parties do business with each other, I mean, that's the ultimate measurement of the of sports marketing value. But short of that, social media, television, uh, engagement, I mean, what we do with a lot of our sponsors uh, is help them with incentives and rewards where the day they get to spend at the track and the day they get to, to meet Leah and Tron, Tron and the other drivers, uh, that can help move the needle in terms of, of moving product. So all of these things have to be woven into a marketing plan. Uh, and it's busy. It, it's constantly changing. Uh, about the time you feel like you have a pretty good formula with a company, they may make internal changes, and so then you had to deal with new people who may have different ideas. But if your numbers stack up, if your metrics are good, then you can transition from one regime to another and keep the program moving in the right direction. So um, there are no guarantees. But the harder you work, the luckier you get. I, I can't recall who said that first, but I think we all understand that concept. So we work hard. We try to deliver as much as we can for our partners. And right now, of course, that's very difficult. <laughs> oh, well, and, and it is difficult and it's always changing. It's a, you know, a fluid situation when it comes to marketing. And, and we try to, you know, when we first started the podcast, Mike, we, we talked about so many different you know, areas or focal points of execution, you know, from a grassroots standpoint to, you know, to moving through regional levels up into the national 
markets and, and everything, you know, explaining the, the value proposition and understanding that everything is tied to sales. And if you can't sell yourself, you're going to have a hard time selling a product, a brand or a company. And it's it's really good for Cam and I every week when we have, you know, executives on. We've had NASCAR executives and, and so forth from other racing series. And they reinforce what Cam and I, you know, talk about. And, and I don't want to say preach, but, you know, we emphasize these areas that you have to focus on. And, and to hear you say it, knowing that you have a lot of blue chip companies that are over there you underneath the umbrella at dsr you have b2b sponsorship you know marketing partner programs uh, whether you know it was through the army when you had it with maco tools with napa you have all these different companies uh that you've executed these philosophies uh and it's proven so it's nice to hear that reinforcement uh for our audience and and for cam and i to hear that but i want i want to I want to come off of that high and I want to I want to ask that tough executive question to you. What did it feel like? What did you feel like the day you found out that the US Army was not coming back to DSR after after a long relationship uh through the the back half of my military career? Uh what did that day feel like for Mike Lewis? It was uh, it was crushing. It was like Somebody took the wind out of our sails, and um, to be honest with you, our numbers measured by the Army, uh, the strategic numbers were not just contracts, but uh, they would measure our performance based on qualified leads, and all those yes uh, students uh, were leads, most of them qualified. A lot of the work we did trackside. And those numbers were up sharply from 1917. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something different. From 2017 to 2018. I'm not that old. We thought everything was trending toward renewal. Um, And yes, there were some new people in the Pentagon that were looking at where and how to invest the the Army recruiting dollars. Um, We were kind of of the belief that it would be just another renewal year. And so people understand this, the the Army contract, we might have been able to talk in term of, you know, the terms of things two, three, four years down the road, but it still took a letter every single year when that program was accepted as part of the national defense budget. And, I mean, we were a tiny little line in the in the DOD budget, but still – Every August, we would receive a letter to renew and plan for another year. Obviously, by August, we had been discussing graphics and lots of other things in advance of August. We never took those letters for granted, but we were prepared to go forward. We were prepared to go forward into 2019, and then we found out in July of 18 that that wasn't going to happen. So... Um, the first thing we felt was was the shock, the disappointment that something that was a very strategic part of DSR uh, and all of us who were involved in it, we felt really closely involved with that program and it was going to come to an end. So we had to prepare ourselves for that. Um, from a business standpoint, it meant uh, 
it was now the third quarter of 2018, and it was late in the game to find something to replace the Army and keep Tony Schumacher on the racetrack. Uh, but Don reminded us the same day. He said, look, we're all disappointed. Uh, don't take it personally. Um, and look back on all the people you've met, the experiences that you've shared. Um, and Don, you're part of that. I mean, we met soldiers all over the country. We met uh, officers. We heard soldiers tell their stories. And we were able, in our own way, in our tent, to see them tell their stories and share that with future soldiers and with Napa guests and other people not even directly affiliated with the Army. So we have so many things to be grateful for, and so many of my personal friends have come from the Army program. Um, I'll be forever grateful to have had that opportunity. Uh, we thought maybe at some point they would rethink it, but I mean, I guess that's like somebody being traded from the Yankees or the, uh, the Dodgers. If that's where you really want to play ball, you'd hope that they would give it a second thought. But obviously uh, the Army had made their decision, took their dollars into a different type of sports marketing. We had to accept that. Uh, and at this point, I'm just, I've got pictures in my office here of some of the soldiers that I've worked with and they mean more to me than just about anything. And then I didn't realize during most of these, those years, uh, my own father was a corporal in World War II serving in the Philippines, uh, and I knew that. But I didn't know anything that he had accomplished until we found his discharge papers about four years ago and realized that he had not only fought in the Battle of Luzon and had a victory badge with two brown stars, he actually came out of the Philippines with four bronze stars and never said a word to my mother, my brother, myself. None of us knew anything about his service, and he's been gone for 20 years. So, you know, I, I wish I could have a conversation with him and, and find out more about his own service. Um, and that was at a time where that, that victory in Luzon in the Philippines turned the tide for MacArthur in the South Pacific and... Um, played a big role in ending World War II. So that's a story that I couldn't even tell until the last year or two of the Army program because I didn't know it. He never told us. Well, Mike, now you've just caused about, I'm going to say, venture, probably 35% of our audience to go to Google because they probably <laughs> do not, we're, just do not remember those battles uh, in, in the history books. So uh, you're going you're gonna to cause some, some education process going on right now. Mike, I got to tell you that, you know, and this is definitely on the record now because I'm talking about it over the airwaves. There was a lot of things politically behind closed doors that I always believe contributed to the Army leaving DSR and NHRA. And I, I, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts in the, the bottomless pit of my gut that there were contractors and third-party agencies and, and government employees that, that it was just, it never at any point was anything that DSR did wrong or came up short with. And as a marketing person, that is like one of the biggest 
gut punches that you can go through when you know that you've put a successful plan together, you've done everything in your strategy, you have dotted your I's, you've crossed your T's, you've, you've hit your marks, you know, in, in the army, we always say fully trained, uh, and you hit it, you were fully mission capable, you, you obviously operated that way for over a decade, and to watch it go um, for things that were beyond your control that's ju- that's just one of those things as an executive that is the worst pill to try to swallow. Yeah, I can't argue with anything you've said. <laughs> I mean, I'm not aware of any of the politics, and that hadn't really crossed my mind. It was just simply um, the the lead generation numbers were so good um, in the last year of the program that we were confident that it would continue because it was still successful. Tony was doing a a great job. Um, The people that we dealt with at the Army Marketing and Research Group were very supportive, brilliant marketers, and great friends, but uh, they would challenge us, and and some of those people remain friends, and and we'll we'll chuckle a little bit uh, from time to time, and some of the days were Maybe things didn't go exactly the way they planned, and and you've been in the military, so you know that there's no mincing words. But it was always done with a spirit of, uh, let's make this program better. Let's not leave any stone unturned. Um, And we do represent the American people and the national defense budget in executing this plan so we never forgot that. It was not ever anything we took for granted. Um, and like I say, looking back, and I worked uh, the program from 2002 until it ended at the end of 18, uh, and it was one of the real highlights of my career. It was something that we all believed in, and we can be proud. Uh, we, put, uh, we put forth not just a lot of effort, but compared to all other sports marketing programs during that period of time, we're the only one that survived that long. And to still have numbers up 8% in the last year of the program, uh, we're proud of that. I, I wish I wish it had gone further, but we're very proud of what we accomplished. Uh, and that goes from Don, Tony, everybody involved from day one until the last day. Uh, we're proud of what we uh, what we were able to do with an institution that is one of the great American institutions of all time, the United States Army. Well, I can uh, I can echo that. It, it was not. It, I always enjoyed doing the events with with you and the team and the folks at Momentum and and the mince words. We'll just throw that and we'll just say that was Paul Harp and we'll throw him under the bus. <laughs> um, but but none, but nonetheless, Mike. Now that we're moving, we're we're moving forward, and this is some tough times too. If you really think about it, you know, for DSR, you, Army deal going away in nineteen, struggling uh, with one of you know the the historical best top field drivers sitting on the sidelines. Now now we're all sitting on the sidelines in twenty twenty. Uh, before we let you go, what does the future look like for DSR moving forward? Well, we've all got our hands full because we don't know. Uh, the word everybody seems to use is our situation this year is fluid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I've been world hearing world. that word quite a bit lately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're used to being in such a structured environment where we know when we need to be in Seattle and when we need to be in Charlotte and 
and somehow we get there. Yeah. Um, and and we're on the sidelines now, um, waiting for the opportunity to go do something that we love to do, that we miss doing. Don's been good. He's kept all of us on payroll. So we're working every day um, and, and consider that we were in Gainesville with not just the six nitro cars, but both of the factory showdown cars. And they were all, most of them were unloaded at one point down there. So yeah. it's not like we had to come home and, and start over. The cars were pretty much ready to race. We've done some front halves. We've done some other things taking advantage of downtime. But um, just looking at the, the landscape uh, across the country, there may be some opportunities to race uh, with full spectators and full hospitality, but we don't know where and when. Uh, we hear talk that there are other states that are um, talking about delaying uh, uh, sports events for a longer period of time. Uh, we're hoping that things continue to, pro to progress. I mean, I happen to believe a lot of that responsibility falls on all of us as citizens to be smart with our daily behaviors, to avoid crowds and to avoid things that, you know, could proliferate this virus. But still, there's three of us. There's only so much we can do. We have to rely on uh, people who make those decisions. And that includes every American who can make a decision to be around gr a group of people without giving thought to their own protection. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I think we've all seen some things that make us cringe, uh, but I've also <laughs> seen the vast majority of people that understand their responsibility. I mean, we go to work every day and they check our temperature. We put a mask on and, and that's become part of our routine. We don't even think about it anymore. So it looks odd when we go to a grocery store and you walk up and down an aisle with people that aren't taking those precautions. Yeah. But I, don't I think know, the more precautions Botox we take, gonna, the sooner we get out of it. Yeah, I think Botox is going to start skyrocketing because everybody smiles with their eyes now. That was the, <laughs> the thing. I was talking to Angie about that. Yeah. <laughs> everybody smiles with their eyes. So, so uh, gonna, but we'll have Botox as a major sponsor in the NHRA soon? Hey, if I could do it, I'd, I'd, if I could get it, I'd do it. Well, I, I don't know. I this don't know. This baby if you, face would be a perfect spokesperson for that. Such yeah, thing like I, that. Well, I was actually thinking <laughs> that you were going to try to throw your wife under the bus and give her Botox. And I was thinking, man, Shoot, she'd get a top feel, full time top feel gig before I did. <laughs> <laughs> She's way prettier than I am. Uh, Mike, real quick, I got one more uh, one more question on that for you. As a marketing, as an executive, what would be one resource that you would throw out to our listeners in the audience? for them to to go to what would be one resource that you've just you know it's like your seven iron on your golf bag it, it's you hit it really good you always pull it out uh it's your warm wubby what would you say is your one marketing resource that you would throw to our audience well that's a tough question um i mean we're all in a different place with i mean with what we do with what i do at dsr would Man, that's a tough question. I'm stumbling in the answer. The bottom line is to get to know social media, to learn how to make it work in your favor. Whatever programming it takes, whether it's community college, uh, 
whether it's, uh, I mean, a, a full curriculum at a, at a university, understand social media, understand how to communicate with people, understand how to inspire people, understand what moves the needle. And for example, you can post all you want on whatever platform. Words only go so far. Pictures go a little further. Videos, a short, sweet, targeted video will generate a lot of uh, uh, engagement, a lot of shares. Obviously, you know, the the objective on any of these things is to encourage them to go viral. Um, like I say, that's not my world per se, but I've learned by watching what our people do and listening to what they do and, and, and understanding the results of what they've done this week versus same time a year ago or three years ago, be current. Understand how to reach a marketplace and social media today can be targeted to people of my interests, people much younger, um, people with any type of interest. You can now target, just like you could for years with radio or television advertising, you can do the same thing with social media. Learn how to make the media, and social media in particular, work for you and deliver your message effectively um, and even if even if that's not your primary responsibility, you can you need to understand enough about it um, to surround yourself with people that do understand it and how to judge what's working and what's not working. I say that's a that's a good one, good key thing that you said right there is you know a lot of a lot of people they say oh I'm going to be the next Tony Schumacher or oh I'm going to be the next Joey Logano or whoever you know and but yet they hate social media or they go on their social media platforms and they bash somebody all day long or, or whatever it is and it's like well this is how the world is working these days so maybe you should just you know go take some classes on that and and, and I don't know do some homework on that avenue I guess but yeah that's a Bay good Pruitt is one of the highest rated female athletes in any sport worldwide and she learned that um, in her uh, learned that in college uh, understood it early she brought Hoonigan to DSR to help her get all of, I mean, to generate all of that exposure and, and all that engagement with people and and the results now are pretty impressive so that's that's a major factor for her in moving the needle on her career. And she understands that. So does Ron, so does Antron. They're all good at it. But she was, of our group, she was the one who really um, made the commitment early on in her career at college and brought that with her so that she could do what she really likes to do, and that's drive race cars. Well, Cam Cam definitely understands the social media aspect because he did the targeting process, and that's how he got his wife. So uh, that's how. <laughs> yeah. So Good he, job, by the way, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah right. I'm just, I'm just Not saying bad. that stuff works. I'm just saying he had the whole targeted demographics. He had the interests. He had all the buzzwords. He he was he had all the characteristic traits. Tr trust me, Mike. He had it pinpointed down. Angie just has no idea that she got sucked in by it. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, Don likes to bust my chops on this show quite a bit. Wow. I've noticed that. Yeah. You're 3,000 miles away, bud. 
<laughs> well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on, and all of our guests have to answer two parting questions as you go out the door. The first one is you get to send one Christmas card to anybody in motorsports, alive or dead. Who are you sending it to? Antron Brown. Whoa. That's the first one for Antron on on racers and rental cars. Okay. (laughs) We're going to have to add AB's name to the list of people we'll have to get on the show now. Yep. Okay. Oh, oh. All right. Well, now our second one. We'll see how quickly you you fired that one right off for a Christmas card. That was a pretty quick answer. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably not going to answer as quick on this next question. Mike, you get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? <laughs> I told, um, told you you wouldn't answer quick. Um, <laughs> probably Kyle Larson. Whoa! There we go. That's actually the second time Kyle's been mentioned. First time was good. Yeah. Second time, that's he got a Christmas card earlier on in our in our history here, but that's the first time he's gotten the the WTF uh, card. Yeah. Now we're and and you know, so that was actually going to be uh, one of the closing conversations that Cam and I had. You know, Kyle was back last week um, racing. In, in, in the world of outlaws, you know, he went through sensitivity training. Um, he's got cleared. Um, I understand as of today, as I was researching and it was confirmed that NASCAR has not received a, a request from him uh, for clearance approval to, to go back racing on the NASCAR side yet. So, uh, you know, it's that's terrible. I saw last week both of his houses in North Carolina are up for sale. Um, I do believe his team is down the road from you there in Indy somewhere, uh, his sprint car team. So I, I haven't heard anything uh, out of the, the stable over there for that aspect. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a solid WTF card for sure. Um, bad circumstances, bad use of having that word in your vernacular. Uh, all the way around so uh, and and i think that would make you an expert in that department wouldn't it mike you've had uh you've had some had some situations that you've been privy to in the past of uh, of that type of outcome that you just wish that you could look at somebody and go what were you thinking yeah exactly um and you're right it, it there are some things that i i mean you hate that a thought would even come to mind, much less be vocalized by somebody, by anybody, and especially by somebody with the possibility of being captured on camera or by a microphone. We met Kyle, and, and I really like Kyle. I don't know him well, but I was impressed by what I knew of him uh, in those occasions, and uh, it's just very sad to see a very promising driver lose a career over the careless use of a word that shouldn't be used well we couldn't agree more and i think uh i I think i can kind of echo this for cam you know we live in a country of second chances um and i just hope that at some point down the road uh society gives him a second chance and i hope that he comes back and makes the best of his second chance opportunity uh and doesn't uh, squander it away uh, because he is, a, he definitely is an extreme talent uh, in the world of motorsports, whether it was on asphalt or on dirt. Uh, and um, 
he definitely had a demographic package that he could captivate uh, certain certain demographics for sponsors, and uh, I'm sure that was not easy for Chip Canassi. Um, I remember Chip from the PRI show in a marketing conversation. He said, "There's two words that you tell all sponsors: yes and okay." And, um, <laughs> and I, I believe that, that chip had to say yes and okay to a lot of those companies, uh, that Monday morning, uh, after that, uh, horrific weekend. So, uh, absolutely. Well, Mike, you want to throw any parting shots mentions we give every guest on our show, the, the out the door, you, you got anybody you want to throw a shout out to as you leave the show and we thank you for your time. Well, I got to say to Cam. I'm going to be wearing your dad's helmet this weekend. Nice. Your dad painted a helmet for me. And Heck yeah, I didn't get to wear the race car anymore, but I wear it on my motorcycle. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, That's very awesome. cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, he uh, he talks about that one a lot. He uh, he thinks highly of you, as do I. And uh, for any of you that, uh, you know, I will say this, any of you that get to either be introduced or meet Mike at, at an event, definitely rub up on his shoulder because, uh, you know, he, he is a really, really cool guy, and uh, you can – definitely learn a lot from him i uh i i cherish every moment that i'm able to speak with him so i uh yeah i have a look forward to seeing both of you back at the races hopefully yes. sooner um not sure where when but look forward <laughs> to it thank you guys thank, thank you, you mike. mike we appreciate it cam i and i don't say it a whole lot <clears throat> there's not a lot of people um and I've shared the room with, with some four-star generals and, and, you know, Jack Welch. I, I mean, I have had the opportunity to be around a lot of people that are successful um, and probably based on quantity uh, to be around Mike uh, over the course of my military career and, and traveling on the NHRA and events and, and just the interaction portion. You could not meet a more sincere individual that genuinely has compassion and and wants individuals in the world in the world forget just the world of motorsports but in the world he wants people to be successful he wants to motivate them and communicate to them that they can do things uh that they might not think are possible regardless of where they grew up or where they came from uh he's just that individual in a room that that you could look up to as a mentor regardless of what age you may be even me being you know close to my 50s uh, mike lewis is someone that you could go to business wise and and in life and say hey um what do you think you you got a minute here can i get a grain of salt from you yeah absolutely that's what i was just like i said before you know anytime you can you can sneak in a quick conversation with him or, or ask his opinion on something. It's, it's definitely something that's, uh, is valued and warranted. So, um, you know, kudos to him for so far and he's still living an amazing career. And I, I'm very, very, uh, you know, grateful to, to know him and, uh, and to be part of his world, uh, you know, a very, very small part, but, uh, you know, it's super cool that you were able to get him on the show. That's, that's, this is awesome. Uh, and for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Mike Lewis, he recently did a show with Warren Evans, who handles our Drag Racer TV uh, across the country for the Lucas Oil Divisional Series um, called, um, what is it, uh, Love This Life. And yeah. uh, and so give yourself, go over to YouTube, uh, put Mike Lewis in there, or put Drag Racer TV or Love This Life 
um, and and just take some time and and watch it. Put it on in the shop while you're trying to work. You won't get any work done because you will stop and, and be captivated by it because Mike does have a, a story. Uh, and like I said, there's not many people left. Uh, not left in a, in the sense that many have passed on, but that that went the path that Mike did with his family owning a racetrack. Well, and that's what's so cool about it. he he's he's gone from from empty to full. You know, like it's there's nothing that he's missed. You know, owning racetracks, being part of mega teams, driving himself, being successful, and that. I mean, the sky's the limit. When when you can, I mean, you're literally taking somebody that's been inside the been inside the building in Glendora. And moved to Indy, back to running, you know, field operations and running a racetrack at Indy, and then moving on to running a, a I mean, let's see, a, and I, man, I should have asked him, but I want to say the most they had at one time was eight cars. Wasn't there? Wasn't there four funny cars and four top fuel cars at one time? And I'm, I'm yeah, sure I'm. Pro stock too. That's right. We had the motorcycle. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And they motorcycles. Had, and Jeggy. So that's right. So, so you're talking about twelve. You're talking about twelve race teams underneath one umbrella. I, I mean, you want to talk about a competition meeting of of personalities? I mean, you know. I mean, I'm sorry. I still think about you know how that would go with Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. in a boardroom after, on a competition meeting after a Sunday race. But I mean, that's just two people with four drivers. I mean, they got twelve. Uh, at that you know for those few years that they had them all underneath there you know we we might have to get mike back you know in a, in a couple months we, well especially here we're still sitting around here twiddling our thumbs playing uh the game of life uh yeah. well <laughs> we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to get mike back on i want to and just i want to hear boardroom stories that probably need to be written in a book uh but i mean that's i mean that's a lot of history and experience that we don't have, you know, or I shouldn't say we don't have, but that most people don't have in today's motorsports world. Um, so yeah, it was great to have him on. Like, like he said, I can't wait to see him back at the racetrack. Uh, he's never on a golf cart. If you ever see always him, walking he's always he'll walking, always throw you a smile and a wave. That's it. Always. Yeah. That, that's, that's a fact. Always. Well, Cam, take us out of here i'm looking forward to this weekend there's going to be racing on tv and if you're not out there watching you're wrong and if you want to get in a zoom pool or something send me a message let's put 10 bucks in draw some numbers i mean let's see who hits the wall first i mean it's gonna be awesome i'm glad racing's gonna be back dude i'm serious it's racing i'm gonna be looking for sponsor ratings social media i mean it's going to be an awesome time just just to hear and see some racing going on and uh very much so so cam take us out of here i'll see you next week and thank you to our audience yeah no that was a great show and uh you know thanks everybody for listening as per usual and uh be sure to get yourself uh one of those racers and rental cars t-shirts hats hoodies you know all that good stuff uh, over at uh, racers and rental cars.com and uh, we also want to always thank uh, Voice America for helping produce the show. We uh, greatly appreciate uh, what you guys do for us. And same to uh, same to LB Trailer Sales, Lance over there at LB Trailers. If you guys need to get yourself a trailer, hit Lance up. And Motion Raceworks. Motion Raceworks manufactures some pretty awesome stuff. So anything uh, in the streetcar, door car world, uh, you know, they kind of span on a lot of different things. And uh, they got themselves a heck of a 
a product line, and most, I'm pretty sure, if not all of it, is they pride themselves on made in the USA, designed and manufactured in the USA. So kudos to them. And uh, yeah, with that being said, buy local. Buy yourself maybe a uh, Racers Rental Cars t-shirt, like I always say, so Don can pay his electric bill, because he looks like, by the looks of his Skype uh, deal, he's got one, two, he's got like 37 lights in his freaking garage, man. I got All I have is my garage door light. That's all I got. I usually leave the lights off. See ya. Later. Thank you for downloading today's episode of Racers and Rental Cars Podcast. Brought to you by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by MotionRaceworks.com for all of your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, MotionRaceworks.com. Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business. And make sure to tell them that Racers and Rental Cars sent you. Thank you for listening to the Racers and Rental Cars podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Motion Raceworks, Performance Data Systems, Streetway Marketing and Media, and Stupid Fast Racing, and RacersandRentalCars.com.